You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. And it is the day after Christmas. So happy holidays to everybody out there. You're with Patricia Trena, and I cover your New York Giants for a variety of places, Forbes, The Athletic New York, Inside Football, the Sports Maven, Big Blue View, and some others. And I'm joined today by Marcus Mosher, who is the co-host of of Locked On Cowboys, and today, of course, is the Crossover Wednesday show in which we will break down the Giants-Cowboys regular season finale. And Marcus, welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me on, Patricia. My pleasure, my pleasure. So, Marcus, a, a tale of two different teams uh, this year. You know, the Cowboys having clinched the NFC East, the Giants, they're going home again. You know, and uh, it's interesting because I was looking on Twitter on Monday and I saw where Jerry Jones, the Cowboys owner slash GM, said that they're going to come out to the Meadowlands and they're going to play this game. You know, they're not going to they're not going to rest anybody that, you know, they want to get the experience. I mean, what are your thoughts about the Cowboys and what they have to play for and what they can actually get out of this game? Well, they don't really have anything to play for. They're locked into the number four spot. Um, but there's been a lot of times over the Cowboys history, especially with Jason Garrett, where they've kind of taken it easy in this week 17 game. And it's kind of come back to haunt them come playoff time because they start out slow or they're rusty and that kind of stuff. Uh, with this being a division rival, a team the Cowboys obviously don't like with the Giants, they're going to treat this like a playoff game. They're going to want to win this game. They, they're going to want to improve to 10 and 6. Unless somebody is really, really banged up, like maybe a Tyron Smith, I expect the, the full starters to be out there for the Cowboys. They want to win this game. They want to beat the Giants, so they're going to play hard. And and since the last time the Giants saw the Cowboys, which was way back in week two, the Cowboys have some changes. Most notably, they added Amari Cooper to the offense. What has Cooper brought to this offense that maybe they were missing from the first time around? Well, first of all, when you say that the Cowboys met the Giants in week two, that feels like three seasons ago for the Cowboy fans. I mean, that that just seems so long ago. The team was so different then. Uh, you know, th for the Cowboys, this has really been a, a two-part season. The You know, the first eight weeks of the season were before Amari Cooper and then the last eight with Amari Cooper. And you've seen basically a totally different squad. Now, Cooper over the last couple of games hasn't put up big numbers. Uh, but you're seeing his impact on the field. He's demanding double coverage, and that's opening up other players to make plays in the passing game, uh, such as Michael Gallup, Blake Jarwin, Cole Beasley. Uh, Amari Cooper is everything the Cowboys could ever want from a number one receiver. And listen, Giants fans know the importance of having a number one receiver like Odell Beckham. It just makes the job of everybody around him easier. Uh, and that's what Cooper has done for the Cowboys this season. And what else is different about the Cowboys since that first meeting? Which, by the way, I agree, it feels like it's it was three years ago. 
Uh, well, the the biggest thing is their defense. We kind of had a feeling going into the beginning of the season the Cowboys had you know a pretty good defense, uh, but now you're starting to see what their potential is. Uh, they're a, a a unit that flies all over the field on defense, um, and, and the big difference maker has really been Leighton Vanderesh in the second meeting or the first meeting. Excuse me, uh, Vanderesh didn't play a lot. Now he's playing uh, you know basically exclusively as the will linebacker for the Cowboys. Uh, in week two, he just played 28 snaps. Uh, over the last 10, game, he has, 10 games, he has 115 tackles. The Cowboys are just a significantly faster defense now than they were at the beginning of the season. And, you know, throughout the year, people were talking about Jason Garrett being on the hot seat. And it just seems like every year Jason Garrett is on the hot seat, according to the, you know, the national <laughs> media. And somehow Jason always finds a way to pull it together. What do you think was the turning point for him and this Cowboys team in which they finally were able to shush, shush the critics uh, this year? Well, you're right. The Jason Garrett is always on the hot seat in Dallas. I, I don't think anybody's fully comfortable with him as their, their head coach. But listen, you have to give him some credit. Last three seasons, three straight winning seasons for the Cowboys, uh, two playoff berths. Uh, what has changed for the Cowboys? Well, they've really become a complementary football team. They know what their strengths are. They're not going to try to get outside themselves and throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. They have a path to victory every single week they want to follow. They want to run the ball. They want to grind the clock out, and they want to play really solid defense. And listen, does that game plan always work? No. No. Uh, but at least it gives the Cowboys the best chance to win every single week. They've done really well in uh, one-score games this season. They've been fantastic in the fourth quarter. Uh, at, at least Jason Garrett's philosophy on how to build a team and how to win games, it provides it provides a lot of exciting games throughout the season. Now, it, it takes a little bit of luck to always come out on top in some of those one-score games. But, you know, this is a team that plays hard every week. Do they make a lot of mental mistakes? Yes, absolutely. Uh, but their competitiveness can never be questioned. And that's really, from Jason Garrett, that's what he wants to see from his team. He wants to see a team that plays hard each and every week, regardless of the opponent. And what's the one thing you feel hasn't changed with the Cowboys? You know, the one, if, if, I guess you could say, consistent detrimental factor that's just gotten in their way. Oh, that's a great question. Um, and this is shocking to say, but it's their offensive line. Uh, you know, from the past few seasons, the Cowboys offensive line has kind of been heralded as, you know, the best unit in the league. Uh, you know, a unit the Cowboys can rely on to win games. Um, that's not the case this season. They are winning despite their poor play from their offensive line. Now, injuries have been a part of that. Travis Frederick has obviously been out for the season. Tyron Smith has missed some games. Zach Martin has been injured. Uh, they've been switching in guards and centers the whole season long. Uh, but, it, it, you know, I really think when we get to the playoffs, that offensive line is going to be the reason that they don't maybe get out of the wild card round, the divisional round, because they just can't keep Dak Prescott upright. He's been sacked 51 times this season. That's the most in Cowboys uh, history. Uh, it, it, it's it's a far cry from the, 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 the offensive line we saw like in 2016 when they went 13-3. and three. This is one of the worst offensive lines in the league right now. Wow, that's saying a lot too. Giant fans would probably argue with that, at least based on you know the, the early part of the season. And then let's talk a little bit about Dak Prescott and and his development. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's been talk about him extending him. How has he developed over this year? And is, do you think he's better or is he trending in the opposite direction? 
That's a, a great question. And every Cowboy fan wants to know, has Dak Prescott improved? Um, I would say he has. Now, you have to put a little bit in, into context. If you go back and watch him in 2016 as a rookie, again, he played behind, I, I would say, inarguably the best offensive line of football. His talent around him was better. The receivers were better. The tight end was better. Um, but over the last 10 games this season, the offensive line has kind of fallen apart. Uh, he, the, the receivers haven't been as good, especially before Amari Cooper. Um, and yet his passer rating is basically the same over the last 10 games. He has a passer rating of 100 with six rushing touchdowns. Uh, I think he's just kind of improved in being able to take over games when he needs to. Um, yesterday, Cole Beasley had a, a great quote about how Prescott plays a tough position because they don't allow him to get into a rhythm very often because they run the ball so much and because they kind of pick and pick their spots to throw the ball. So he really has to be accurate when the time comes. And, you know, he's not always going to be a rhythm quarterback. And yet he's done enough to help the Cowboys win some pretty big games. Uh, obviously this week against Tampa Bay, but against the Saints, against the Eagles in Philadelphia. I think he's improved. Whether or not you want to pay him $26, $27 million a season, that's a conversation for down the road. But yes, I do think he has improved at least some over the last year. You're listening to the crossover show between Locked On Giants and Locked On Cowboys with Patricia Trena of Locked On Giants and Marcus Mosher, co-host of Locked On Cowboys. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to flip the tables a little bit. I'm going to talk Giants and answer Marcus's questions about the New York. So stay with us. This episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to those of a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on a single charge. It's a perfect gift for any friend or family. It's great for anybody who works outdoors, skis, snowboards, hunts, anything like that. Anybody that hates the cold, you need to get them an Action Heat garment this Christmas season. Uh, for our listeners, we have a special deal to save 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at the checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, Patricia, let's talk a little bit about the Giants. It's been kind of a struggle this season, although I would argue they're playing better as of late. But uh, the question that everybody wants to know is, what's going on with Eli Manning? How do you think he's played this season? And do you think he will be back next year for the Giants? I do think he's going to be back because, quite honestly, I don't know that there's a better option out there. I mean, look, Eli is not going to play forever. I think we can all agree upon that. But to say that, you know... To, to, to say, let's get rid of Eli Manning and bring in a Teddy Bridgewater or even a Nick Foles if he declares uh, or avoids the final year of his contract, I don't see where that's going to help the Giants because ultimately you're going to want to get a young guy in here. You're going to want that stability. You're going to want that continuity. And I don't know that there's such a candidate in this year's draft class. I mean, now granted, I say that 
and the draft class, you know, it's not complete. The deadline hasn't passed yet for everybody to declare. But I do think the Giants are going to hang on to Eli Manning and use him as part of that transition plan to where he's going to be here on, in 2019. As far as how he's been playing, he's actually not been playing that badly. Now, I know people will look at the, the loss to the Colts and they'll say, oh, he made a terrible decision, um, you know, on that interception that he threw trying to force it down the field. But, you know, you look at that play and you can you can almost see why they went in that direction because, you know, they were trying to get a chunk play. And I think that was the play that was called. There was a receiver that was open along the sideline. I couldn't see who the player was. But, um, you know, Eli, I guess bottom line is, no, he hasn't been perfect. He's been better, though. You know, they were moving him around in the pocket. They were getting a little bit of production. But, you know, let's let's be real. Eli Manning has never been, you know, a, a, an Aaron Rodgers. He's never been a guy who's going to lead the, the, the quarterbacks of the league in rushing. But if you ask him to move around the pocket, he'll do that. And, yes, he can still make the throws. Where he gets into trouble, though, is when he reverts back to that old gunslinger mentality that everybody knew and loved back when he was, you know, in his prime. And, uh, you know, sometimes that doesn't work out. So, uh, it's just interesting to see, you know, you've got two sides of the fan base, one side who was firmly in Eli Manning's corner, the other side that can't wait to get rid of him. And, you know, ultimately it's going to come down to what Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer decide, but I'm getting vibes that they want him back for next year. Over Eli Manning's last nine games, he has a passer rating of 94, uh, about 65% completion percentage. You can win with that. If you have a good team around him, you can you can, you can can do something with that. Um, let's talk a little bit about that running back in the backfield, Saquon Barkley. I mean, he's been fantastic this season. But the debate has always been, how good does a running back have to be to be worth the number two pick? Um, especially with, you know, Sam Darnold being picked number three. Are Giants fans having any remorse about taking Barkley over Sam Darnold? I think some are. And that, again, would be the, the anti-Eli crowd, you know, who's, who look at Sam Darnold and the promise he brings with the Jets. But look, I mean, Saquon Barkley has been everything the Giants thought they would be, that he would be, and then some. The kid's been mature. He's been a team player. He's been a good player. He's been a difference maker. And now teams are starting to game plan against him. And it's just been, he's made a tremendous difference. And I think what, what Giant fans are not, you know, really grasping, and I, I mean some of the Giant fans that who are, you know, in the anti-Eli crowd is that what Dave Gettleman has tried to do here is he's tried to build a foundation, not just for Eli, but for whoever the next quarterback is. And now you name me one quarterback in this NFL who wouldn't want a good offensive line in front of him, who wouldn't want, you know, two solid receivers and a solid tight end, and who wouldn't want a running game, you know, they're waiting for him when he took over the reins. I mean, so that's what the Giants have been trying to do, not just, you know, cater to Eli, but to get a foundation in place so that when that transition takes place, that next quarterback, whoever he might be, is going to walk into a favorable situation and not like, you know, years ago when uh, David Carr walked into the Houston Texans and was sacked, I think, a, a league mm -hmm. record of 70-something times or whatever it was. So Pat Shermer announced this, uh, this earlier this week that Eli Manning is going to start in this game. Are you a little surprised about that considering, you know, we're in Week 17 – 
Kyle Lilletta is on the team. I know they have Alex Tanney, a former Dallas Cowboy. Are you at least surprised that they're not giving Lilletta at least a shot in this game? No, not at all. Because I've said all along, the way the Giants work it is that you show it in practice, you show it in the classroom, and you, you that's where you inspire the confidence. And if you're not doing that, you're not going to get a game day uniform. Now, Lolletta earlier in the year got a couple uh, of games where he was the number two quarterback. He got an opportunity to go in against a poor Washington Redskins uh, team, and he didn't do very well. Mm-hmm. I think he went 0 for 5 against a, a Washington defense that, that, let's face it, it's not a bad defense, but it's not one of the, I think we can both agree it's not one of the top ones in the NFL. And what happened? He went 0 for 5. So, you know, Shermer, even after the game, said, you know, I hope you all saw what you were looking for with Kyle Lawletta. Uh, the bottom line is he's not ready. And there have been, you know, warning signs. Like if you go back to his arrest, for example, the police report that came out said that the incident took place around 8 o'clock in the morning, which was the time the players had to be at work. So you say to yourself, hmm, he was running late that day. That's not a good sign because if you know you, you're in a position where you're the quarterback and you have a chance to maybe be an NFL quarterback, you get your backside into that building early. You don't sit there and come in, you know, just as the, the bell is ringing. And that to me was a red flag and made me wonder if perhaps Lalletta wasn't doing enough of what he should be doing or the little extras that a quarterback typically does to show the coaching staff that, yes, I'm serious about this and I want to move up. Now, again, we don't know because we're not privy to what goes on behind the scenes. We don't get to see the entire practices, but that would be my, you know, educated guess as to what's going on and why Kyle Lawletta was demoted back to third string quarterback. All right, one last question for you, Patricia. I'm looking at this defense, and there's some players that I really like on this defense. Uh, I think Dalvin Tomlinson is going to be a really good player. Um, Olivier Vernon has obviously had a a nice career in the NFL. Uh, But where are the young building blocks on this Giants defense? Who are the three or four players that you can kind of count on going forward? Uh, for the Giants. Well, I think you mentioned one in Dalvin Tomlinson, but you also got to mention B.J. Hill, who was an offensive lineman. I'm sorry, defensive lineman. My, my bad. He's been tremendous, this kid. I mean, he's he's shown an ability to rush the passer and be, and, and he has the potential, I think, to become an every-down player. So he's really, really come on strong for that defensive line, especially following, you know, the trade of Damon Harrison to the Detroit Lions. Another youngster that I really am excited about and I want to see more of is Lorenzo Carter. He is an edge rusher, you know, needs mm-hmm. a little work in the weight room because he's still, you know, kind of shaky against the run. But this kid has a world of potential and just every time he's on the field, he just seems to make something happen maybe not as you know in your face type of an event but he's influencing the play in one sh- in some way shape or form with his his ability to rush the passer and then a guy who you know he's been around you know right now he's on injured reserve but you can't count him out is Landon Collins the safety Landon's I think 25 years old um, very good safety. He's been outstanding against the run. This year, they've really asked him to do a lot more than than maybe you know his fair share. He's been doing coverage, and I think I saw a statistic where he's actually been in coverage as much as 
uh, free safety, Curtis Riley, which is just crazy because Landon Collins, to me, is at his best when he's playing closer to the box and when he is rushing the passer, not so much when he is moving backwards in coverage. So I think those guys really are, are coming together to form the nucleus of that Giants defense. And then, you know, they also have the this kid, R.J. McIntosh, who just started playing not too long ago. He was on the... Um, the reserved uh, non-football and illness list. And he's shown a few, you know, he's shown some promise. So I really think the Giants defense, you know, they, they need a lot of work. You know, they can use another pass rusher for sure. They've got to get an upgraded free safety. They've got to get a cornerback, maybe add another couple of linebackers and fill out that defensive line rotation. But I like the core, however small it might be, of that defense. Yeah, really quickly, uh, Cowboy listeners will uh, appreciate Lorenzo Carter because that's a guy that we talked about a lot in our pre-draft shows. Uh, Just a versatile guy from Georgia. You can play him as edge rusher. Uh, I know Landon and I, my co-host, we kind of liked him as like a weak side linebacker in the NFL. Um, So it's just encouraging to see that he's becoming a a good player for uh, the Giants. Uh, Thank you so much, Patricia, for for your insight on the Giants. No problem. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, uh, Giants and Cowboys fans. And when we come back, we're going to wrap up with predictions, keys to the game, and so forth. So stay with us. All right, welcome back, Giant fans and Cowboy fans here on the Locked On Giants podcast, along with the Locked On Cowboys podcast. We are doing the crossover show in which we're previewing the Giants and Cowboys in the 2018 regular season finale. Patricia Trainer here with Marcus Mosher, who is the co-host of Lock on Cowboys. And Marcus, let's talk about the keys to the game. And let's start with the Cowboys. What are the keys to a Cowboys victory? It's the same key every single week. They've got to protect Dak Prescott. Whenever Prescott is comfortable in the pocket, he's able to make any throw in the field. When he panics and he gets pressure around his feet, that's when things can kind of go haywire for the Cowboys. Now, I know the Giants' pass rush isn't the the best pass rush in the world, and there's a possibility that the Cowboys are sitting one or two offensive linemen. But listen, they've got to be they got to be aware of some of those guys from the Giants, especially on the interior. I mentioned Dalvin Thomas and B.J. Hill; those guys can wreak havoc. Uh, If the Cowboys can protect Prescott and run the ball, I think they should have no problem moving the ball up and down the field on this Giants defense. And then from a Giants perspective, one thing they have to figure out is they've got to get Saquon Barkley back into the game. Now, when the Titans showed a couple weeks ago the formula to, to shut down Barkley, guess what? This being a copycat league, the Colts kind of deployed a similar tactic using, you know, adapting it to their personnel. So I would suspect the Cowboys are going to probably do something to shut down Barkley that's very similar to what we have seen the last couple of weeks. So the way the Giants can probably get around that, I think, is they got to go back to getting this kid out in space and giving him the possibility to where maybe he can either double as a receiver or take a handoff on a, you know, whether it be from the flat or splitting him out wide and having him run a jet sweep or something like that. So they've got to get Barkley back into the game because basically with no with no Odell Beckham Jr. And I, I think at this point, you know, yes, it's early in the week, but I would be very surprised if Odell plays this weekend. 
Uh, they got to somehow free Saquon Barkley. The other thing is, you know, get Eli Manning moving again. You know, that, that tactic worked beautifully last week against the Colts because the Colts basically said to Eli, hey, we're going to take get rid of, uh, we're going to take um, Saquon Barkley out of the game and dare you to beat us with your arm. And the Giants countered by moving Eli around on, on you know, boots and rollouts and whatnot. And it worked for most of the game. So that's going to be a big key, I think, for the Giants on offense. Now, looking ahead on defense, what do you see um, as, as the key for the Cowboys? Well, you mentioned it, Saquon Barkley. The Cowboys have got to be able to tackle Saquon. And in week two, uh, that's you know they did a very good job at that. They they gang tackled everybody, rallied to the football. If you don't get multiple people around Saquon Barkley, I mean he could be a nightmare in the open field. So it's going to be up to Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith, and maybe even Sean Lee. They might activate him this week to to. to Get him some reps before the playoffs. Tackle Saquon Barkley. And then, of course, getting to Eli Manning. We know Eli obviously is not a very mobile quarterback. If you can get him off his spot, they should have no problem you know, slowing down this Giants passing attack. Again, you mentioned Odell. I wouldn't expect the Giants to play him in this meaningless game. Allow him to go into the offseason and be healthy. So try to take away Sterling Shepard, who, you know, sometimes struggles as an outside receiver, although he played well this week. And then obviously Evan Ingram at tight end. Um, what about on the Giants side? What do you think they need to do to slow down the Cowboys offense? Well, first off, they've got to win the battle in the, uh, at the pit. You know, you mentioned that the Cowboys offensive line has struggled and the Giants have got to get pass rush. They've got to disrupt Dak Prescott. And above all, they've got to contain him because they cannot let this guy run wild, which I believe they did the first meeting. So that's going to be key. Discipline football up front, playing your gaps and not letting Dak go crazy as far as running around and moving around in the pocket. The other thing I think the Giants have to do, and they have struggled all year long to do that, is they have to close out the game. You know, I saw a statistic where the Giants have been outscored, I think, by 55 points in the fourth quarter, which is ridiculous. I mean, they've been outscored 55 points, and how are they supposed to win games if they're not closing them out, if they're making these stupid penalties and just, you know, not not closing out? So I think they need to play smart, discipline football at the end and finish on a high note. I would agree. I mean, this is going to be... It's going to be a fantastic matchup because, we, listen, we know the Cowboys are having a better season than the Giants, but these two teams do not like each other. And the, the, the Giants would love to send the Cowboys home with a loss in their own stadium. I'm actually looking forward to this game. I think it's going to be a pretty well-played game uh, for a Week 17 matchup. And what do you think? You, give me your prediction. Oh, man. Um, I, I think there's a natural tendency to, to kind of let up when you know that uh, you have everything clinched in the playoffs are coming up. But I know Jerry Jones says the Cowboys are going to play hard like it's a playoff game. But just part of me knows of the human nature. So I'm going to pick the Giants 20 to 17. Wow. 20 to 17. I, it, it's just one of those games where the Cowboys, if it's – if there's guys that are probably a little banged up, I'm sure they're not going to use them to their full extent. Do I expect them to give 30 carries to Ezekiel Elliott? No. Do I think that they're really going to put Dak Prescott in harm's way and force him to throw the ball down the field? No, probably not. I think the the sense of urgency just won't be there from the Cowboys. And listen, the Giants haven't won a ton of games, but I would argue they're at least playing better over the last couple of weeks, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, even though Jerry Jones has said they're going to come in and they're going to play to win, I can't imagine that they're going to go all out. I mean, they've got nothing to gain. And I know years ago, the Giants were in a similar situation back in 2007 where they had nothing to gain against the uh, the, pre the regular season finale against the Patriots, but yet they came out full blast and went at it as though, you know, everything was on the line. But I just would be surprised that the Cowboys really followed through with that. I think they will try. I think they'll game plan. They'll do everything, you know, like a normal week. But I, I could see a, a, a limited game plan. I'm going to say the Giants upset the Cowboys. I'm going to go 24-17. Uh, that makes sense. I, I think it's going to be that kind of game, you know, a, a low 20 type of game. It's not going to be super high scoring. Both of these defenses, I think, kind of know each other. So I, I expect kind of a, a slow, grinded-out game and probably decided late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think so, too. But, you know, it, it's hard to believe, Marcus, because, like I said, here we are. We're in week 17. It's It seems like just yesterday we were starting the season. The Giants are going home after this game. Uh, Cowboys are going on. And, and uh, it's just going to be a very interesting offseason, you know, once it, it begins for the Cowboys, the Giants, and the rest of the league. Yeah, hopefully the Cowboys offseason starts a little bit later than the Giants. We're, ho we're hoping like four or five weeks later, but we shall see. I don't think Giant fans are on board with that, but we shall see. <laughs> All right. So on that note, Giants and Cowboys fans, we want to thank you for tuning in to the crossover show between the Giants and the Cowboys. Marcus Mosher, Patricia Trena, we, pre we appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you again soon. Have a good one. Mm -hmm.